right, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and sitting a socially distant uh, number of feet away is the one, the only, because we can't stand more than one, uh, Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. I couldn't stand more than one either. But, <laughs> well, uh, sometimes I have trouble standing the one. Well, yeah, but... I understand that. <laughs> well, standing. No. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be back, as always, and uh, looking forward to uh, the discussion we're going to have today. All right. Now, I'm also looking forward to the discussion we're going to have next week. Yes. Um, because I had to punt it from this week. Yes. Um, so, well, I am part of the launch team for the new book, Hoping for Happiness, by Barnabas Piper. And we were scheduled, Ray and I were scheduled to uh, talk about this book today. Um, unfortunately, one of us didn't really finish the book. Imagine who. Um, <laughs> somebody who has four boys running around. Yeah, someone teaches, who... Teaches full-time, has nothing else going on in his life. Someone who understands what it means to not do their homework. Um, I, I got through more than half, though. Well, there you go. So, by next week, uh, we'll be ready to go with this book. And I'm hoping Barnabas will come on. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. Uh, a few times. I don't. I doubt he'll remember it. Um, <laughs> we're so we're so memorable. <laughs> well, it was these little. You know, I saw him twice at different conferences, oh, and I basically shoved a microphone in front of his face and said, "Here, answer this question." Um, so just little snippets. That would be great if he could. I I really, I really liked the book. I mean, so really, liked we do book. want to promote the book, though. We'll yes, take a, a moment here. And uh, this, this week's podcast is brought to you by Hoping for Happiness by Barnabas Piper, um, put out by the Good Book Company. Not really, but if the Good Book Pump Company wants to sponsor our podcast, uh, we wouldn't complain at all. No, we'd be happy about that. Yes, so if you really want to promote happiness um, and give us a little bit of hope, um, you know, that would be a great way to do it. It would be, it would be. Anyway, so that we'll talk about that next week, so tune in for that. This week, we're going to be talking about, and this is a little dangerous, because uh, Ray picked a topic this week. That's, why you ever let me do that, I'll never know. I, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, <laughs> what kind of dangerous territory are we walking into here? Well, I came across this, uh, actually I'm involved in a small church pastor Facebook page that uh, has over... I don't remember how many. It's got a lot of people involved yeah. in it. The uh, the guy started it. His name is Dave Jacobs. He started it ten years ago, and it's primarily it's for pastors' encouragement. Yeah, and they really don't want you know controversial things yeah. as far as because there's pastors from all stripes right. involved in this and. Uh, but anyway, this was on there this week, and it's an article by Paul David Tripp. I've heard that name before. Yes, the man with the mustache. Okay, well, there's a lot of those, but... Oh, oh, no, no, not like this. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you're not... Okay, as you're talking, I'm going to pull up a picture All right. of Paul Tripp. I might have seen it when I was looking. I... Anyway, so anyway, it's, it's entitled Five Stumbling Blocks to Pastoral mm. Honesty. And it's good that we're talking about that now because we're in the in the midst of Pastor, Pastor Appreciation, Appreciation Month. So, folks, 
if you want to show appreciation to your pastor, tell him to be honest. <laughs> or let him be honest. Let him be. Yes, that's a better way of saying it. Let him be honest. But, um, so, I'm just going to read the opening uh, That's a good paragraph. idea. Just to kind of set the, uh, the tone. And it, uh, basically, the, uh, the introductory um, paragraph is entitled, What Silences Us? Why is a humble candor more of a regular part of our ministry leadership culture? Why aren't we more ready to confess spiritual discouragement or struggle? Why do we sit in silence as we watch fellow leaders drift away from the type of people God calls them to be? Why are too many of us more defensive than approachable? Why do we seem to be more concerned about and activated by the sin of others than we are by our mm. own sin? Uh, what silences humble gospel candor in our leadership communities? Well, I want to suggest a few answers to these questions. My hope is that it will prompt community self-examination and discussion. I think this is good. I mean, a, a lot of we do have several pastors who do listen to the podcast, uh, so it's good for you to listen to. But most of our listeners are um, just people in the pew, mm -hmm. and I think it's good for them to hear this. Um, and I, you know, you and I are people of the pew. People of the pew. Yeah. If I ever write a book about good, like how, how to be a good church member, I'm going to call it People in the Pew. People in the pew. Okay. And anyway, you, you, oh, people that lay in the pew. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple of those. Oh wait. Okay. Here's here's this picture of, of Paul David Tripp. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, that's a distinctive mustache. That is a stash. Yes. Okay. So I, we'll put that. We'll put that on there. You know, if you're a reformed guy like me, you're familiar with Paul David Tripp. I've got several of his books he's written. Uh, yeah, well, I knew I'd heard of them because of you, I assumed. So. Okay, so um, let's talk about these. And it's good for everyone to hear this because there are struggles that the pastor faces. Sometimes uh, we're not aware of and we're kind of ignorant of it. I, I think it's good to expose some of this stuff. Right. I think that the first thing to understand is they're humans too. Really? They, you know, have you met if, my pastor? If if <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, I That's have. why you have to question that a little bit. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the thing to remember about pastors, you know, at least certainly men who wear pants, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody yes. else. And, and we're thankful they're wearing pants. Well, you know, at least something. Okay, I had to go there. Together. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is basic Bible yes. podcast, not raining and rain. Okay. Come on. So um, the first one that he lists is pride of personal maturity. Yeah. You say maturity. I say maturity. Well, but... that'd be because you're from the East Coast. You, you, you got that yeah. Bostonian accent about you. Do I, though? Not really. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. But, uh, but maturity is, I mean, I think just looking at the words, how you pronounce it. But anyway, I'm hitting us way off topic. Always. All right. He says, pride is a huge issue for all ministry leaders. Knowledge gets, us, uh, gets to us. Experience gets to us. Success gets to us. Position gets to us. Increasing notoriety gets to us. And in so doing, we are placed in a spiritual danger. Pride is a temptation that every leadership community should be aware of. 
And I, again, you and I have both served in pastoral roles before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never served as a senior pastor, but even my role right here at Rock County Christian School, um, I'm not a pastor, and I, and I stress that with my students. I am not their pastor. But the roles are similar. Oh, yeah. I do, I, I feed them spiritual food. They come to me oftentimes for counsel, and I'm expected to know the answers. Hmm. And I do walk into this room knowing that I know more than them. True. And, and that in and of itself leads you to, to be, uh, or can lead you to some pride and... Oh, puffed up heads. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I have struggled with that in and out of ministry. Yeah. It's just part of who I am. I think I'm pretty good at what I do. Right. And then I choose to do the things I know I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing, but but a lot of churches don't help this situation because they put that dude who's up in front, yeah. whether it's a male or a female, on this pedestal right. that, you know, the higher you put them up, the farther the drop will be. You know, you put a, um, a meme in our Facebook group uh, just a couple of days ago of... A guy who's woken up at you know two or three in the morning. He calls his pastor. Yeah. He says, "Yeah, I knew I could call you because I assumed you'd just be up praying." Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I my my little caption was, "I hope you don't do this yeah. to your pastor." Um, and I mean, yes, we're on call for emergency situations, right. but. Oh, you know, hey, I, I mean, and I could do that. Yeah. Because I'm up at one or right. two in the morning, you know. I but if I were to call my pastor, I would, I would take a major hit on our friendship. Oh, I know your pastor, and yeah. and, and you mean hit literally. Yeah. Um, yeah right. he'd punch you up. No. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's an assumption that he's up on this higher level. Yeah. Than everybody else, and because you're up there. That really makes life difficult for the pastor who does sin. I remember years ago, I was in Bible college, and our church, my home church, had received, just got a new youth pastor. And uh, we had lunch. I was not in the youth group at that point, but I, I wanted to meet the new pastor. And, you know, we had lunch one afternoon mm-hmm. during the summer. And as we were talking, he had mentioned some, I forget what it was, but uh, some sort of sin that he had struggled with. And my jaw just dropped to the floor. Like, it wasn't anything, like, huge. But it's just like, you're a pastor. Yeah, right. You're not supposed to struggle with... And it was really, honestly, the first time I had really considered the idea that this guy across the table from me is a human being Mm -hmm. who struggles with sin just like I do. And what if my senior pastor struggles with sin, too? You know, and it... Uh, all of a sudden, wow! But it takes a lot of it, it takes a lot of humility then to be in a position mm-hmm. as uh, someone in pastoral authority to come out and say, you know, I'm, I'm a having sinner. I'm having some difficulty this year. Yeah, I mean that's, and I uh, I'm trying to think of a biblical example. Uh, Moses. Yeah. I mean, they were all coming to Moses to have the judgment given from him because he had to because he was the right. man and you know gratefully his father-in-law Jeff or Ruel he's got two names yeah. in the Bible 
came and said, this isn't good. <laughs> you, yeah. can't, you can't do all this. I mean, you're going to burn out. But it's, you know, that's a combination of pride of personal maturity yeah. as well as pride and position. Right. I mean, I'm the guy and nobody else can do it. I have to do this. You ha- yes. Yeah. And that's where I think if we have the mind of Christ, and the, the, you know, the, the quickest way for me to find the mind of Christ is look at Philippians 2, hmm. who, you know, humbled himself. He did not view equality with God something to regress, but he humbled himself, became human, did all the things that he did, died on the cross in humility. When he washes the disciples' feet on the night that he's betrayed, right. he does that to show how we are to serve in ministry yeah. in a humble way. So, you know, if we, if we flip this around, Pastor... <clears throat> Excuse me. Be humble enough to know where your boundaries are, to work, know where your limits are, and, and to be honest about your sin. And to us people in the pew, uh, how many churches have pews anymore? I don't know. Um, but but to probably more than you realize. Yeah. Uh, but to us as church members, we need to allow our pastors to be sinners. Allow them, allow that that feet of clay to be seen. Yeah. Now I don't want to see my pastor's feet necessarily. Um, well, and the thing but, is, the pastor doesn't yeah. have to go around telling all of his sins to everybody. Right. I mean, though at times, you know, you can be honest from the pulpit. I struggle with this particular thing. Yeah. But to have a group of people, that's one of the nice things about you know Roxbury that we have life groups. Yeah. And you and I and our my pastor John and another guy from the you know Craig from the Roxbury, the four of us get together every couple of weeks and then we see each other often yeah. during the week during the time that we're not together and we have developed that kind of friendship that we're not afraid to yeah. to uh, go there with people and you know I can I confess my sins to you guys and after the jaw drop happens, <laughs> no, there's no more jaw drop with you, no, Ray. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we've heard it all at this point. But but to have that, I right. wish I would have had that when I was a pastor. Yeah, and you need that because you, you need it, and you know. But you don't. It's hard for a pastor to make friends in a church. At least it used to be when I was yeah. pastoring, uh, because of that. This very thing we're talking about. Yeah. Well, let's move on to number two. Yeah, let's. Because we're already halfway through the program. Oh, are we? All right. The ability to minimize sin is one of the most powerful aspects of, of the scary and destructive deceitfulness of sin. As long as sin is inside us, we all carry with us a dangerous ability to participate in our own spiritual blindness. Mm-hmm. It should be a warning to every leadership community everywhere that all members of your community are regularly tempted to think that their sin is something less than sin. Right. No, my sin's not as bad as your sin. Right. And that's, well, I mean... Well, that's because you know you. Well, and right. you know, you're, 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 you're really good about making excuses. And I, and I, I say that about myself yeah, as well. Right. Um, there's a thousand excuses we can make for our own sin. Yeah. If you only understood what I had to go through, right, you'd understand why I did this, mm-hmm. why I lashed out of that. Well, and that's that's the 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 sin in us, right, <laughs> is taking us down a path that is completely destructive. To you get you you find yourself in a situation that 
you know, a lot of pastors end up doing things like, you know, having affairs and then end up divorce, get, getting a divorce. Yeah. Um, some end up in suicide. And I'm not, you know, I think that because I have, you know, issues with mental problems, which is national or World Mental Health Day is today. Yeah. But uh, dealing well, with... Well, the day that we're recording this. Dealing, dealing with uh, bipolar disorder symptoms, you know, I can see if, especially if pastors have some kind of mental illness, yeah, they, they would get to suicide because of the pressure that they put themselves under, that others yeah. put them under, and then this, but then not having an outlet to be honest about yeah. their sin. We just had a, a not too recently, uh, a well-known pastor who had committed suicide. Um, he's one who had fallen from the ministry because of some sin issues, but he was he was coming back. He was in the process of repenting of that sin, of uh, rehabilitating himself through the counsel of others, and he was in a, a ministry position. Um, nothing big like he used to be, but he was slowly kind of working his way back in ministry, and then unfortunately this tragic event happens mm -hmm. and yeah a lot of that is because you know we just don't uh treat that sin seriously and i think sin in general it's amazing what pastors can be guilty of mm -hmm. whether it's um you know i've known pastors who have i'm thinking of one in particular right now who is skimming from the offering plate mm. um and you could justify that sin. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't really pay me a lot. Exactly. I mean, uh, here's I mean, the attitude, especially in a small country church. Got to keep them poor and humble. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that doesn't help any. Right. But uh, the thing about this is, please, please, please treat your pastor like a human. Yeah. That is in the need of the blood of Jesus in their lives just as much as you and I. Yeah, and Pastor, don't forget you're a human. Yeah, and you need um, you need to recognize your sin for what it is, and that sin. You know, there's the old um, John Owen quote: "You should be killing sin, or it'll be killing you." Mm. Um, and that's true of your your congregants, and that's true of you as well. You know, we're often in a position where we can preach against sin, um, but, but also the pastor. Is, how, how many times do we go to the passages that deal with our sin? Yeah, <laughs> or or in the pastor, it's easy to I think to cover up our own sin. Oh yeah, so because, because people want to think the best of you, anyway. right? And so, then it gets worse. Anyway, we got number. Run. What's number three? Must have must have the respect of others. It is my temptation, if you're a leader, it's your temptation too. We care too much about what fellow leaders think yeah. of us. There are times when I give more of the concern of my heart to the opinion of a particular ministry colleague than to the view of my right. Lord. I mean, you know, the pastors get together. You know, and maybe it's changing some now, but it used to be. They talk about their church and how good their church is doing this and how good their church is doing that. And one-upmanship happens. Yeah. And, you know, you, you show off your your ability to speak and your knowledge. And, you know, it, it, because you want them to respect you. Right. And, that, you know, that's a natural tendency. And yet it's missing the mark again. Right. And... Uh, 
we need to again go back to Jesus. And there's sometimes you're you're kind of, you know, when I was in pastoral ministry, I was kind of in a transitionary period, um, theologically, and I knew the Lord was kind of leading me out of the the independent fundamental Baptist circles I was in, um, but I I kind of <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff. I just didn't talk about with certain people because I wanted to fit in mm-hmm. in that group. And I went to some of these pastor's associations and whatnot. I just knew there were certain topics I was not going to speak up about because I knew it would rock the boat. It would cause a few waves and they wouldn't like me anymore. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I, I, I'm the type of person I try to be a consensus builder. I like to be respected by all groups. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to find areas of commonality, sure. whether it's with atheists or uh, secularists or liberals or whatever, mm-hmm. as well as my conservative and uh, evangelical friends. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there are times I, I feel that pressure um, that I don't want to give my true thoughts about something. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm convinced something is wrong, and if I'm with a crowd guilty of that, I, I might be tempted not to speak up on certain things. Yeah. When and especially like if you, you know you're right. I mean, yeah. You you, you got it, but just because you know you're right doesn't mean you you approach that in a prideful manner. You right. need to be humble about it. Um, another way of looking at it is when Jesus says, "Take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your right. brother's eye." I mean, that's that's just a an important uh, aspect of what we're talking about here because, you know, the, and the plank is sin. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's just a matter of uh, trying to get the right um, perspective on things as right. we go. Number four, identity and ministry. Hmm. If ministry leadership is your identity, then Christ isn't. Right. Along with that life-changing catalog of comforts that are the result of his person and work. Ministry leadership identity produces fear and anxiety and will never produce the humility and courage that come with identity in Christ. Now, Ray, I want to ask you about this because you were a pastor. You were a senior pastor. You were in, well, in some I was of the, the only pastor. The only pastor, sure. <laughs> um, but now you're not. Right. Um, I struggle right now with the idea. I, I, I like who I am. Position-wise, mm-hmm. I like being known as a Bible teacher at Rock County Christian School. Mm-hmm. I like being known as a civics teacher here. You know, my my, my two greatest loves: theology and politics. Um, but if you took that topic-wise, topic-wise, yeah, topic, some, some not people-wise. <laughs> um, but if I walked away from this job, or if I had to leave this job, that sense of identity would be gone. Mm. Uh, and you were a pastor, and you and you and you and you stepped away for that for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 did you handle that? Um, well, partly is my understanding of what it means to be a pastor. You know, if we follow what Luther says about ministers, that we're all you know yeah every all believers are ministers. Right. It's it's a lot easier. In fact, for me. I find it easier to do what I do to help people and to, mm. you know, whatever, better when I'm not under the rule and thumb of, or yeah. of board or church members or whatever. 
I because then I I will get involved in the things that I enjoy doing. Ministry should be a joy, not a drudgery. Yeah. And when it becomes drudgery, it's time to to get out or refocus, go away for a week to some, you know, there's several, probably several, I know of a few, like a place called Blessings Ranch out in Colorado. What they do is they allow the pastor and his wife to come for a week and they can recharge, they can get reconnected. That's another huge part of it. We've got it, and I'm. this is one of my probably weak points, is... Remember your family. Yeah. Remember your wife. Remember your children. They're all they're a part of your ministry too. Don't get wrapped up in 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week doing God's work in the church. Because your family is a part of God's work. Your right. neighbor who's not a believer is part of God's work. You know, all of these all these other things and but doing it you know, not, not trying to, you know, make yourself into something that you're not. Yeah. Uh, not trying to, you know, finding your identity even in that. You've got to find your identity in Christ. Right. And when we do that, then we'll end up with love and humility and patience and all kinds of things that us fallible humans yeah. struggle with. And I had to go through that. I remember I was, <laughs> I was um, a youth pastor for a couple of years in a little church in Connecticut. Couldn't afford to pay me much, so I was working a, a, a full-time job as an auto parts delivery driver. And it took me a while to figure out that delivering auto parts for this little CarQuest store was just as much of God's work mm-hmm. than I, when I was behind the pulpit or teaching a Sunday school class or putting on a shirt and tie, mm-hmm. um, which I don't do anymore. But um, that's all God's work, whether it's driving a, a, a truck or uh, being a lawyer or a CPA or being a greeter at Walmart. Mm-hmm. All work is God's work if, if, it's, if it's good and decent and moral work. Right. And that, that I keep going back to Luther here, which yeah. is really weird because, you know, but I taught for Judson University and one of the textbooks was about Luther and his idea of vocation. Yeah. That's exactly what he's talking right. about, that we're all uh, to serve people, and regardless of what the occupation yeah. is, just like, again, as long right. as it's not immoral, <laughs> or is moral, or maybe I should say so, it that way. Pastor, if you're listening, you're not valuable simply because you preach. You're valuable because you're made in the image of God. Right. You're not a, a useful person because you have a seminary degree. Mm-hmm. You're a useful person because every person uh, has talents and abilities given them by God. Your identity first has to be found in God, not in your vocation, mm-hmm. not in your job or your ministry. Um, and that should be a freeing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we're, we're running out of time. Let's go to number five. Functional gospel doubt. Yes, it is possible to be part of a leadership community that has the gospel as its central message and the spread of the gospel as its central mission, but whose leaders are silenced by gospel doubt. 
Too many leaders struggling with issues in their hearts, lives, and relationships have their responses shaped more by a catalog of doubtful what-ifs than by the hope-producing promises of the gospel. Yeah. So been, I could... never done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can preach the gospel but not apply it to myself. Right. I mean, it's a scary thing to be able to... You know, that first, what I, what I would consider the plank of the gospel is, I am a sinner. Mm-hmm. And I need a savior. That's you know. I just preached a message here at, at Rock County School about the gospel is not just the entryway into the Christian faith, but it is the Christian faith. Yeah, well, it, it's not just the entryway, but it is the entryway. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it is the entryway. Yeah, you're right. But I, I don't. I'm. I never. I never get to a point where I'm just done with it. Oh no. Um, and because so, it's something that is to be lived out right, day in and day out in how we how we live but again we don't have to do it on our own right this is a huge part of this because the the promised holy spirit takes up residence in our lives as individuals and our lives as part of the church the body of christ without the holy spirit's uh active part in our lives we couldn't do any of this right and so we need to be honest about that yeah and tell our people that you know, if, if you're a preacher, a pastor, whatever, I, I'm, I struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, what you're going through, I go through. I'll never forget the day my pastor, uh, my wife and I went to go see my pastor about some, some marriage counseling. Yeah. And he had talked about a time when he and his wife were going through a difficult time. And he had to go before the church and say, listen, I need to take some time off. Mm. Um, my wife and I are not doing well. And I need to put this first right now. Pray for us. We're going through some, some marital difficulties. And I just thought, wow, yeah. that's not common. No. Um, not but many people it, are willing to do be. that. It, it should, should be. be and that's what we're saying. Yeah. Because this pastor had, uh, had the faith in God to know that this wouldn't be the end of his ministry. But it would also be an encouragement to his people yeah. in the sense of I don't have to hide my if he's not going to hide his sin I'm not going to hide mine mm-hmm. we had a young man here a couple of years ago he stood before our school it was, it was our, our senior chapel and usually seniors give testimonies and he gave his testimony about struggling with pornography mm-hmm. and it took a lot of guts for him to get up there and say that because oh, yeah. he was a, a leader in our school yeah. but what happened was after that, we had our lunchtime. I had three or four students in my classroom say, Mr. Thompson, I, I have struggled with that too. Yeah. Because of his testimony, Right. Yeah. other people came forward and got their lives right yeah. and, and, and needed that they, they had the humility to go and get the help they needed. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the value of testimony. Yeah. Because, you know, people can relate to that. Um, you know, I try when I preach, when I'm anymore given the opportunity, or when I teach, or when I interact with people, to be open about who I am, yeah, and where I've been, and how God has brought me from there to here. Right. And I'm not saying I'm I'm I've arrived yet. I mean, if we get to that in our mind, we're in big trouble. Yeah. But, so, Pastor, your strength is not being Superman, right? The guy who does it all. The guy who I can't relate to that guy. Yeah. Um, one of the things I don't like, I'll confess, 
sometimes I hate reading Christian biographies. Hmm. Yeah. Because they, they, <laughs> they praise this person so much. Like they walk on. I remember reading right. a biography on Billy Sunday when I was a kid. I'm just thinking, I hate this. Yeah. I can't be this. This isn't me. Yeah. You know, and it was just. Um, now, I, I learned a lot more about Billy Sunday when I grew up. And I'm like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. I don't have a. I don't yeah. like him as much as I used to. But. Um, I, I'm much more refreshed when I hear a, a testimony from somebody I respect saying, listen, I, I struggled through this, and let me tell you how Christ is faithful in this struggle. Yeah. Let me tell you how the gospel helped me um, in the midst of this of this sin, mm-hmm. and let that be a lesson to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we're probably out of time. We right? are. We're a little over time. No, that's... So... Who cares? <laughs> I never, a, I never have. It is a pot. Yeah, we, we can tell that by your preaching. Um, we, <laughs> I do a lot better job in preaching than when I'm just going like this. So, um, yeah, you actually prepare for preaching. I, I have to. <laughs> I've learned how to keep it to twenty minutes. See, I'm a Baptist. I can't clear my throat in twenty minutes. Um, all right. So we we're going through the article five something walks to pastoral honesty by Paul David Tripp. So. Um, We'll, we'll link to that on our, on our blog. And the other recommended resources is basically, this is an excerpt from a larger book written by Tripp, Lead, 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church. So Lead, 12 Gospel Principles for Leadership in the Church, and we'll have a link to that as well. And of course, again, we want you to stay tuned for next week. We'll be talking about Hope for Happiness by Barnabas Piper. Hoping for Hope, Happiness. Hoping. Oh, this is going to be like the last book where I kept getting the... What was it? The um, oh yeah, <laughs> unquestionable answers or yeah, un- the yeah. yeah, the unquestioned answers. Yeah, Unqu- yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> hoping for happiness at Barnabas Piper. Now we're only going to spend one week on this, maybe two, if if, if Barnabas is able to join us. Um, we're not going to go uh, chapter by chapter, but it is a, it's a good book, and I and I do want to recommend it to you. So make sure you buy, buy that. Tune in next week. Right now, we'll be chatting about this. Um, so. In the meantime, check out our website, www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Um, also, we're working on a YouTube page um, with some of the videos that we've done. And, and, I, and I might try to do um, it, maybe even some short devotionals on there, you know, cut just a couple of minutes long. Um, so I've got some ideas for that, but that's uh, in the works. It's down the pike a little bit. Uh, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll get that up. And then uh, on Facebook, check out our group. You can, you can read there. Uh, the the writings of one Mr. Ray Jewell as he uh, goes through the book of John right now and uh, an occasion we'll have a poll or some questions out there for you to read down there. Again, Twitter, face, uh, Twitter uh, what's the other thing? Instagram. Um, so don't forget, hey, take a second. Um, if you're on iTunes or something, give us a good rating. Share this podcast with your friends. Um, it's a secret that people need to know about. Okay, so anyway, have a good rest of your week. We'll see you next time.